Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. It was such a great event. Um, If you missed it, don't worry. We're going to do it again. Uh, The name Turbos and Tacos was just way too cool to do it just one time. So um, I believe we're going to get with the team and we'll rework some things. But my initial thought is we might do it quarterly. Uh, It's just a great fun event. We had so many people come out. It was their first time to experience Oaks Church. And it was just a cool, fun event. We brought everybody in and uh, had a quick little inspirational word and gave away some prizes. But uh, we want to and we exist in this community to be a light in the community And being a light in the community is way more than just church on Sunday. It's about intersecting and engaging and loving the people that are in our community um, in any and every way that we possibly can. So thank you all for uh, helping. Thank you for those that donated. Thank you for those that uh, helped lead and all that kind of thing. And I just want to really encourage you. uh, The men's ministry here, Oaks Men, is going to be launching this January. An incredible ministry. We've got new classes, as Brandon mentioned, kicking off. We've got support groups. We've got all kinds of things we're doing. We'll do lots of fun social stuff. The two big things that I'm really excited about, number one, is uh, our mastermind uh, groups. Business is a passion of mine. It's something that I love. I was a businessman that wanted to never be in ministry, but the Lord called me to ministry. But I'm still a businessman, and I have a real heart for businessmen, specifically helping businessmen find their niche and really find their ministry because they're in business to do ministry. Because uh, you're all ministers. You understand that, right? Every one of us are ministers. Uh, in fact, the church, the job of the church is to equip the saints for the working of the ministry. Okay? So all of us have a ministry. And guess what? If you live full-time, you're in full-time ministry. It doesn't matter if you work at the church or not. We, we live full-time, and we are in full-time ministry. There's never a time that we're off. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, there may be people around you that need Jesus, and our job is to be on call. Amen? It's our job to be on call, to touch and to reach the lives around us. The second thing I'm really excited about um, for our men's ministry is something that I'm dreaming about called man camp. Yes. (laughs) Youth camp happens. Why can't man camp happen? I'm talking competitions, war. We're going to war. Face paint, it's gonna be nuts, right? But spiritual, very, very spiritual, but man camp, I'm dreaming it up. Don't have a date yet, but it's, it's, it's going to happen in the name of Jesus, man camp. Girls can do whatever they want, but man camp. And we will not tell you what happens there either. I wanna do something real quick before I move past this moment. Um, Brady, I want you to come back up here. I felt this so strongly a minute ago. And um, just jump up here. Brittany is, as she mentioned, as Brandon mentioned, our uh, youth coordinator. Brittany's someone that's real special to us. Uh, she's cousins with Angel Marie, so she's family. But Brittany was in our youth group years ago. I guess it would be 13 years ago. And she was one of our youth uh, leaders and youth ministers and was kind of a child prodigy preacher and then grew up and went to college and all that kind of stuff. And I found out that she was going to Bible college. After graduating college, she went back to Bible college and felt called to ministry. And I'm like, oh my God, get that girl at Oaks Church. Because um, she's so gifted and talented. And um, I just want to pray a blessing over her. For her birthday, I, I didn't get to do it yesterday. But if you would just join me and just stretch your hands out toward her. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this gift that you have given to the world. Not just to us but to the world. Father, I thank you for the calling that is in her life. I thank you for the anointing that you've put upon her. I thank you for the evangelist that she is, for the heart for your kids, for your people that she has. And Father, I ask you to pour out your blessing on her in an exponential way. Father, let her voice become a voice of power and authority in the lives of teenagers throughout this entire region. Father, I ask you to elevate uh, leadership and teams of of adults and, and mentors around her. The kids in this city, in this region, 
region need mentors. They need people that will link arms with Brittany that will help her to raise up this next generation of great and mighty warriors. Father, we know that Oaks Church is called to be a church that reaches the nations and sends missionaries and ministers out by the hundreds and by the thousands. Father, we're asking you to pour out a revival inside of the young people in this city, that you would do a mighty work inside of them, that you would do an incredible thing inside of the hearts and the minds of the teenagers, of the young people, of the kids growing up in this city, Father, that revival would come to McKinney, Texas, and Collin County, and Allen, Texas, and Frisco, Texas, and Plano. Father, let revival come to this region in the name of Jesus, and the young people would rise up, Father. We're not relinquishing this next generation. We're not giving them up for the enemy. We're not turning our backs on them. We will invest in them, Father, and we want to see your will be done in them, Father. You're not done with our nation. You're not done with our future. And Father, we've got to invest in the next generation in order to see the future that you desire to come to pass. So Father, release your favor, your blessing, your courage, your imagination, your creativity upon her, and help her to lead the most powerful and exciting team, Father, inside of this church in this next season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you. sweetie. All right. Baby, can you grab a Kleenex for me right there? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, that was unplanned and unexpected. Um, oh, you're welcome. Hey. Um, God, I love this church, and I love you. I love the people here. I'm so, I'm so grateful that God called us together. Uh, man, he's got big stuff in store for us. He's got big stuff in store. This is just the beginning, y'all. This is just the beginning. I'm telling you, in my spirit, I see, I see thousands of people coming to Jesus through the ministry of Oaks Church, and that's through your ministry, through your influence. Thousands of people coming to Jesus because you guys said yes, and you linked arms with a crazy preacher, and the people just nutty enough to, to oh my goodness, this microphone is intense, um, to, to, to join and be a part of what God wants to do. Um, I'm grateful, and I'm glad, and I'm honored to be a part of this, and, and um, without further ado, I'm going to jump right into this message, but I, I want to pray uh, over this message. I believe that God has something greatly in store for what he wants to do here. Father, I thank you as we continue the series called Adore. I thank you for your love for your people and your love for us. God, let your love be shed abroad in our hearts. Let a revelation of your love come over us and upon us in such a mighty way. Father, we're not perfect people. We're all flawed. But you love us anyway, and you gave us your son, Jesus. He is perfect. And we ask you in Jesus' name that you would work in us and that you would give us a heart for your lost children, that you would give us a passion to share your good news and to draw people to you. Father, let it become the heartbeat of Oaks Church, the heartbeat of Oaks Church, that we would be people that love people, that want to see people go to heaven. Father, we ask you that you would give us, as your word declares, ask and I'll give you the nations. As your inheritance. Father, give us the nations. Give us the nations. In Jesus' name, Father, we say yes to you. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, last week we started, uh, I believe, this series called Adore. Uh, it's all about the Christmas season. We talked about how adoring God is about loving God. Love and adoration go hand in hand. The word adore means to love very deeply and devotedly. It also means to worship God. And so there's a connection point between how God feels about us as a loving father and how we are to feel about him. Now, it's something that's a little strange and foreign because in order to love God, you have to first believe he exists. And it is challenging for humans to believe in things that they don't see with their own eyes. So we have to move beyond our natural way of, of discerning things and understanding things and knowing things because we can't touch him and we can't necessarily uh, um, feel him. And we don't we don't hear him with our audible ears. We hear him internally, and we don't see him with our eyes. Jesus said, blessed are they that believe and have not seen. And so there's a blessing for us that we access God through faith. We have a relationship with him through faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. But knowing him and believing in him 
are two different things. See, Jesus said even the demons believe. Demons believe in Jesus. But they don't know him as Lord. They don't worship him. They don't adore him. This Christmas season is um, absolutely nuts. It's crazy. Um, The first time I was ever flipped off by a grandma (laughs) was during Christmas season. It's 19... 97, I'll never forget it, it was traumatic. I was uh, at Park and Preston in Plano. Some of you remember what Park and Preston used to be like. It was before, I mean, it, it was the only place to shop besides driving into the gallery. It was before Willow Bend Mall, before Stonebriar Mall. It was, it was the spot in Christmas in the late 90s at Park and Preston was chaos, to say the least. And I was new to the city. I'd only been in the city, you know, for really a year, and it was my first Christmas in Dallas, and and I was just trying to get to the Gap. That's all. <laughs> just get to the Gap, get a, you know some stuff for Christmas and whatnot, and and apparently I didn't understand something about the parking lot situation, and this granny let me have it. I mean, birds were flying. I don't know what she, I I think I know what she said, but I couldn't hear her. I was reading her lips from her Mercedes, and granny, granny gave me a piece of her mind, and um, what happened to Christmas? What happened to the holidays? You know, holiday comes from Holy Day. And, and, and we live in a country where Christmas has become so commercialized. And don't get me wrong, I love Christmas and I love Christmas trees and, and, and I love Christmas morning and, I, and I, you know, I love, we have Christmas traditions that we have and all that. And I, I can't wait. I love Christmas. But I love Christmas because I love Jesus. And, and there, is a, there is an attempt in our world to take Jesus out of Christmas, to take Christ out of Christmas. You, you see it written as, a, as just a quick, an abbreviation, Xmas. Don't ever do Xmas. Don't ever do Xmas. If you want to do Xmas, go to another church. Don't do Xmas at Oaks Church. It's Christmas. We don't take Christ out of Christmas. He's the reason. He's the whole reason. He's the whole reason. And as we go into this message today, we're going to examine our lives. Because as our culture is so anti-Christ, we need to make sure that we have room in our lives for Jesus. Because our lives get busy, our lives get hectic, and it's easy for us to get caught up in all of the hubbub and caught up in all of the mess. But if we don't have margin, if we don't have room, if Jesus doesn't have a place in our daily life, how different are we than an atheist with good morals. If it's not for relationship, what's it for? This thing we have with Jesus is not about checking boxes about about our behavior. It's about moving beyond behavior into relationship. A relationship that changes the behavior, but we don't behave in order to be accepted. We're accepted into a relationship that affects our behavior, but it's not about the behavior. It's about the relationship. um, I've always had the overachiever personality. Um, It's just how I'm wired. I'm I'm go, 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 go. I don't don't, uh, rest well. There's always something that needs to get done. And and I always have something new that I want to accomplish. I always have something new that I, that I want to see happen. Um, we, we hadn't even gotten closed on this building yet. And if you didn't hear, we own the, the building now. Thank you. Thank you, Stan, for helping us so much. Thank you, Larry, Pastor Larry, for helping us so much with all of that. Thank you for all of you that were, uh, were and are so generous and that have helped us all along the way, that have partnered with us with this unstoppable uh, campaign that we are almost halfway through, and we have uh, accomplished the first half of it, which is buying the building. The second half of it is finishing out the building. And you may look around and say, well, it looks good to me. Well, it does look pretty good. Um, but this isn't, this isn't the end, right? Uh, the, the, we, we have, I mean, a master 
plan of what we're going to do because we want to reach the city in an incredible way. So we have big plans on what we're going to do for the kids' ministry wing, a full renovation for the kids' ministry wing. If you have kids, what the dream that I have is they come in and they walk into the Oaks Treehouse uh, kids ministry wing, and the whole thing looks like a clubhouse, a treehouse. That's something we're going to do. The outside, uh, I want to master plan the outside because I want to have a prayer walk around the whole uh, building and facility, actually manicured with benches and all that stuff, and, and, and sports areas and things uh, where, where people from the whole community feel drawn to this place. I, I want them to feel like that's a place I want to be in. I want to be in that place, and we invite them here, and this is something, a, a, a space that the community can come and not just, not just come for a church service, but come to encounter a great experience and be around great people like you. We have a kitchen that we want to fully uh, renovate. It's, it's, a, it's a disaster hole right now, but we want to turn it into a full commercial kitchen so we can do incredible events right here in this space. We, we've, we've got a, a youth, our youth don't have a space yet. We need, we're gonna plan on doing an upstairs deck for the youth and we need to renovate some things inside of the sanctuary uh, for, with our audio and video and all. There's, there's so much to do, we're just getting started. But the way I'm wired is I'm already thinking about that complex out there in front of us where the, 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 the floor store is right next to Sonic. I want all of that for Jesus. I want the whole complex for Jesus. Why? Because, because there's thousands of people to reach in this city. And there are, thou, there, there are dozens of different ministries that we need to be, be able to launch and have adult classroom space and re, re places for our mastermind groups and a place for youth ministry and a place that we can do all. There's just so much to do. And it's all good. It's all good. But did you know that you can get so busy doing good that you can fill yourself up with doing good and you forget to actually be with Jesus? How do you think it is that pastors fall into horrific, destructive patterns in their life and they're doing so much good, yet somehow they become so vacant and empty on the inside? It happens, we see it, it's, it's horrible. To watch, it's sad to watch, it's destructive for the body, but it happens, and it typically happens when we're so busy doing good that we don't make room for the actual God that we're serving. See, we see this picture in the relationship with the two sisters of, of Lazarus who was raised from the dead, Mary and Martha. I mentioned a little bit last week, Martha was all about doing, 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 serving, serving, serving. Get it ready, make it happen. Mary, every time, every time, every time you see Mary in scripture, she's at Jesus' feet, every time, literally. She's either, she's either at his feet listening to him teach, or she's at his feet pouring out anointing oil on them and washing them. She was constantly at his feet when Lazarus died. Mary and Martha both came up to Jesus, and they both uttered the exact same phrase. If you had been here, our brother would not have died. They said the exact same words. Martha, the doer, said it with a scoldy finger. Mary, the one that adored him, fell to his feet and said it with, with love and compassion because she knew who Jesus was. See, it's the way we respond to him. It's the level of adoration that we have toward him. It's the way that we make room for him in our lives. Did you know that God makes room for us? God makes room for us. God makes room for us in his plans. In fact, his original plan was all about making room. He had the earth, he created the earth, and he made a specific environment for Adam and Eve. He made room for Adam and Eve because he wanted them in a place where they could flourish, where they could have an incredible experience, and he wanted to be with them and encounter them. He would walk with them every single day in the cool of the day. They had a place, and their instructions were to be fruitful and multiply, to take dominion of the earth and subdue it. The, the drive of mankind... This, this, in our, in, our, in our current era, in our current day and age, there's this, there's this super aggressive um, attack against a, a, a movement to have dominion in the earth, okay? 
So, so you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything political or anything like that, but it's from the beginning of the design of man that man was made to take dominion, to fill the earth, and to subdue it. And so every people group, whether good or evil, are hardwired to take dominion, to fill the earth, and subdue it, because that's the instruction of God toward man. So it comes down to the motive in our heart. But we're supposed to go and take dominion, fill the earth, and subdue it. Why do I want the whole complex for Jesus? Because he made me that way. Take dominion. Do you know how the nation of Israel, Israel became a nation of Israel? God told them, go in there, take dominion, Conquer everyone there, kill them all, and make it your land. That was God's instruction to the people of Israel. It doesn't make sense to us. They were instructed to kill everyone. Men, women, and children. Annihilate a whole race that was not pleasing to God. That's in your Bible. It doesn't make sense, but it was God's instruction. I don't understand it, but God designed us to take dominion and to take ownership, to fill the earth and subdue it, and he made room for us. He makes room for us in his plans. He makes room for us in his purpose. Jesus coming to earth was all about him making room for us in heaven to be in relationship with him. We're going to have lots of questions answered when we get there. Our job on earth is not to understand everything. Our job on earth is to trust him in everything. Ask him questions. Faith like a child. He'll answer your questions. He'll share mysteries with you. That's the kind of loving father that he is. But there will be, always be things that we don't understand. And if we get stuck and hung up on why, we'll be stuck and hung up for a very long time. What I've learned is the proper question is what do you want me to learn? What do you want me to learn? That question toward God gets a whole lot better response than the crickets I hear when I ask why. Because he's a loving father and he wants to teach us. He makes room for us. I want to take you to the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. I'm going to start with Joseph. We didn't address this last week. This is Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. I'll read you two accounts of the birth of Jesus. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a faithful man or faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose or embarrass her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, that means the Lord saves, because he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. This is an amazing story. And I want you to, if you can, in fact, this will give you some insight on how I read my Bible. I want you to put yourself in the story. For just a couple of minutes, can you be Joseph? Can you be Joseph? And in this culture, when you're engaged to someone, you're essentially already married. It's, it's, it's an arrangement of families. Joseph was an older 
a gentleman. We don't know how old. Maybe he was in his mid or late 20s. He was a professional. He had a career. Mary was a 15-year-old teenager. It was customary that an older gentleman that could take care of um, a, a younger maiden or a young lady would go and prepare. They would be engaged. The, uh, the deal would be struck. All the finances were arranged. And now the husband's job was to go and prepare a place for the bride. And oftentimes it would take up to a year. They were already considered married. Joseph is now preparing a home for her. And it's discovered that she's with child. Now, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Your 15-year-old bride-to-be, that's awkward as it is already inside of our culture, who is a virgin, is now all of a sudden pregnant. She's discovered, she's showing, and she's got a story that she's innocent and God did it. I mean, are you buying that story? Would you buy that story? Your fiance, look, some of you have had a bad dream about your spouse being something on the side or whatever and woke up mad at him and believed it. You ever had a dream like that? It was so real, you woke up, I can't remember a time, or I can't remember a time, but I woke up and I was just looking at Jennifer, I wanted put a pillow over her head for what she did in my dream. I swear, I thought it was real. Come on, this is, she's actually pregnant, claiming to be an immaculate conception that God did it. And Joseph had every right to put her away and didn't even have to be discreet about it. But because of the goodness and the kindness of his heart, he genuinely loved her. He didn't want to hurt her. He planned on doing it discreetly. And an angel shows up. Can you imagine having that dream? Now, I have some crazy dreams. Pepperoni pizza dreams late at night, ate too much. Some crazy dreams. This is a crazy dream. He wakes up from the dream. The angel in the dream corroborates her story. And Joseph finds in his heart to make room for God. To make room for Jesus. See, the Bible says, Jesus said actually, that divorce is only a thing because of the hardening of hearts. I've watched some of the most impossible marriages be restored because hearts became soft. That's honestly, it's the only way that my marriage has made it, is hearts become soft. Because when our hearts are hard, and look, I know this isn't me, me making a statement about divorce is not anything negative about anything you've been through or anything that you've done or anything that, you were, that, that happened to you. Please don't take it as anything of that, right? But you have to understand that divorce hurts really bad. It hurts really bad. It, it, it's literally the tearing of two souls apart. And if there's any way for God to heal and to stay soft in our hearts, that should be the design and that should be the goal. And if you happen to find yourself going through something like that, there is forgiveness and God will forgive and, and, and there is a next chapter and all that kind of stuff. But God hates divorce. So we've gotta be people with soft hearts. But Joseph made space in his life for Jesus. Our world makes no room for Jesus. There's no room. I, I remember growing up in the 80s there was no homework on Wednesday night at public school because people went to church on Wednesday night. So the teachers wouldn't assign homework because they wanted you to be in church because the new church kids, hopefully, are going to behave a little better than non-church kids. Plus, they got to beat us at school back then, so, you know, it just, we behaved quite a bit better. I remember when sports teams would not have practice on Wednesday nights. Wednesday night was holy. Games on Sunday? Oh, no. No, no games on Sunday. That's, a, that's, a, that's God's day. Our, our, our culture makes no room. Uh, this is, last year was our first year experiencing club sports with kids in Collin County. North Dallas, it's psycho. 
It's ridiculous. There's nothing holy. Tournaments on Easter? On Easter Sunday, are you serious? No reverence. It's a holiday, a holy day, and our world makes no room for Jesus. But that is how the story began. Luke chapter two, verse one. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Verse four says, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judah to the city of David, which he called, which is called Bethlehem, which means house of bread, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Now the translation says great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, an animal stall, a pen for the farm animals because there was no room for him in the inn. No room for Jesus. It's how the story started. No room for Jesus. It's the enemy's end goal. No room for Jesus. He wants you so burdened, so busy, so beat down, so overwhelmed, so tied up, so chaotic that you have no room for Jesus. He's fine with you believing in Jesus because even he does. He doesn't want you worshiping Jesus. He doesn't want you adoring him. See, wherever, this is just, this is just basic, Wherever you give your attention, your time, your finances, your affection, that's where you worship. The easiest way to find out where people worship and what people worship is to look at their bank statement. Because worship comes from the word worth-ship. What something is worth. The state of something's worth. Worship. Things can be idols very quickly and easily. Stuff. Agendas, goals, ambitions, aspirations, relationships. I've watched marriages be destroyed because the promised baby became the idol. And the baby, the child, became more important than the marriage that sustained the child. There was the strength and the structure and the protection and the privilege and the launch pad for the child. And so now you have a marriage destroyed and children at risk because a kid who was from God became God in the house. Now it's real. I've got a 12 and an almost 18 year old. My 18 year old is so gone in her head. Oh, she's ready to be in the adult world. Oh my goodness gracious. She's ready to just forget you high school. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. I wanna, she's ready to fly. Four or five more years, I've got to, Blakely's going to be the, look, if Jennifer and I don't prioritize our marriage above our kids, when the kids are gone, we got nothing. We got nothing. So our marriage is more important than our kids because our marriage is for our kids. Is too real? Too aggressive? Do you have room for Jesus? Just because you go to church, just because you're religious, doesn't necessarily mean you have room for Jesus. The most religious people in Jesus' day, man, it's quiet in here today. 
Everybody just shake it off a little bit. Just shake, stretch it out, shake it off. If you got an e-cig, just take a puff real quick. Nobody's well, I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm just joking. Don't do this. Don't do that stuff. Just calm down. Watch what Jesus said to the Pharisees. John chapter 8, verse 37. They were in an argument because the Pharisees were telling Jesus how righteous they were and how they were Abraham's kids and they were, they, they were, they were God's chosen people and all this kind of stuff, but they hated Jesus and they wanted to kill him. And this is what Jesus said to them. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. Religious people, the most religious people, the most religious people that have ever lived, the Pharisees. No room for my word. You can be so full of religion that you have no room for Jesus. Horrific atrocities have been released upon humanity by religious zealots that had no room for Jesus. Full of themselves, full of ambition, full of their own rules, full of something, but it ain't Jesus. And so they mistreat people who Jesus loves for the sake of something that they believe in incredibly, but it's not the mission of Jesus. See, us accomplishing this wonderful thing of, of buying and owning a building in, in under three years, it's an absolute miracle. But it's not about the building, it's about the people. It's about the people. See, this is just a house. Each of us have a house or an apartment or something. Houses come and go. Can't be about the house. It's about the people that live in the house. Jennifer and I have had times in our life where we had, to, we had to downsize. We had to get out of a house. We had to sell a house. We, we've, we actually had times when the bubble popped with the real estate bubble in 2008 where we lost houses. We lost three properties in that. It's devastating. But we had each other. So we still had a home wherever we were. It's not about the building. It's about the people. And we as followers of Jesus Christ have to constantly make room for him in our lives, because if not, we'll miss the whole point. That it's all about relationship. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules in the Bible. And all of them can be fulfilled with two simple instructions that Jesus gave. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And love your neighbor even as you love yourself. Love is the answer for every rule. Do you have room for Jesus? See, watch this. Jesus said of himself, John chapter 14, verse 30. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, Satan. The ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. He has no place in me. He has no room in me. See, if you're not careful, you can fill up your life with the enemy's will. All along thinking that you're, thinking that you're doing good because they're not necessarily bad things. But if it steals your attention from Jesus, if it steals your time, from Jesus, if it steals your generosity from Jesus? You, you do know that your generosity is connected to your eternity, right? You know that? Jesus instructed us to make friends with our earthly money. And those friends would welcome us into eternity. The relationships you make, where you invest your money, determines who welcomes you into which eternity. We all have a future. We're all going somewhere. We hope to go up. It's real talk. It's real talk. I, I talk very boldly 
about generosity and about money because I live it. I live it. I give, I love to give, I love to give, I love to bless, I love to, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. I love to give to my church. I've given to my church ever since I was a little kid. I, I've tithed and far beyond. I, I, I would never give only 10%. So far past 10%. 10% is, an, is, is a baseline for me. That's just me. That's where I'm at. Because I understand that giving is what living is about. Giving is what living is about. We live to give. For God so loved the world that he gave. You can tell your kids you love them all you want. On Christmas morning, there better be something under that tree. Don't worry, baby, I love you. Tell that woman you love her all you want. You better put a ring on that finger. Nothing says I love you like giving. It works in every part of your life. The wisdom of the Bible says a gift opens the way for a giver. You want to open a way? Give. You want to open up a relationship? Give. You want to open up a new business deal? Give. It's the wisdom of God. You make room for him. Next question is, are you available? I've heard it said the best ability is availability. Doesn't matter how much you say you love your kids if you're not available. Doesn't matter how much you say you love your wife if you're not available. Doesn't matter how much you say you love your job if you're not available, you better answer that phone. Everybody that works for me, you better answer that phone. <laughs> Availability, it's a big deal. See, there's another part of this Christmas story. There were shepherds that were out in the field the night that Jesus was born. Shepherds in that culture, the lowest of the, of the culture, they're, they're, they're nomads. I've been to, I've been to Israel, they're still, they still have shepherds. The shepherds, they're, they're, they call them Bedouins. They're, they're a nomadic people. They're a traveling tribe, herds of, of and, and that's what they do. They live with the sheep. They literally live with the sheep. They smell like sheep. That is not a good smell. They live there, and, and they're, they are, I mean, they're, they're, they're a bottom level. They don't own anything. They have, they have no home. They have no property. They, they live with the sheep. They have tents, and they travel all around. And it's the same in the old culture as it was in, the, in our modern culture. They still exist. Luke chapter 2, verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the angels came and declared to the shepherds that the Messiah, the child, was born. And the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. The shepherds, this is so cool. The most lowly, the most lowly of the culture we're given the first and highest honor. Jesus said, whoever is last shall be first. They were the first to witness the birth of the Messiah. Guess what else? They were the first to be given the honor to share the good news. The first to be given the opportunity to be evangelists and share the gospel. They, the lowest of culture, became the highest in honor. The last became first. See, making room for Jesus opens opportunity for you. When you make room for him, he opens opportunity for you. Can, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna share something with you that I do very seldomly because it's very private and very personal to me. Um, I'm gonna read something to you at, at the risk of being misunderstood uh, and, and potentially judged for my motives or whatever, but I'm gonna read from my journal to you. That's okay. It's... Uh, 
It's the most sacred practice I have is my prayer journal. Might be the most precious possession I own, my prayer journal. I document my conversations with God. I've done it uh, for over 20 years now. It's gotten me through every horrific moment in my life because I've learned to hear him. I've learned to have a real relationship with the God of the universe. It started as in my teenage years and now in my late 40s, I've got 30 years of practicing hearing his voice and it's the most precious thing I have it's, it's literally, it's why I live. It's my greatest addiction. More than cherry chapstick. That's my other great addiction. This is what he said to me. He said, Joel, my son, you hear my voice and you do know me. I am yours and you are mine. I love and adore you. You don't do everything right or well. But you do one thing that's very important. You make room for me in your daily life. Like Lazarus' sister, Mary, you are always at my feet. You open the door when I'm knocking so I can come in and dine with you. I feed you on the wealth and riches of my table so you lack nothing. Because I have an open door into your life and open access to your heart, you are available. You make room so I fill it with my goodness and my presence. I have an open door with you, so I open doors for you. So many times I stand at the door of the lives of my children, knocking and knocking, and they never open the door. They never make room. Making room opens the door for my opportunities. I am far from perfect, guys. Very far from perfect. I got one really good habit. And that's that in my daily life, I make room to be with Jesus. And it's, it's, it might be the only good thing in me. Jesus said, no one is good except God. My question to you is, will you open the door? He's knocking. Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. That is the invitation of Jesus Christ to you. Will you make room? Will you open the door? He's knocking on the door of your life. As our worship team comes, we're gonna sing just a little bit more, but I wanna pray a prayer with you. And if you would, just, you would just lift your hands like this wherever you sit. And this is, this is your own free will. You don't have to do this. If you're watching online with us, if you're driving, please keep one hand on the wheel. You don't have to do this. This is, you, this is between you and Jesus. But I, I want you just to, just to lift your hands up. You're offering him your life. You're offering him your busyness. You're offering him your hectic schedule. You're offering him your overachiever. Make it happen personality. You're offering him a space in your life to make room for him on a daily basis, to prioritize him on a daily basis. What do I do in that time, Joel? Read your Bible, put on worship music, start a prayer journal. Pray in the Spirit. Just sit, be still, and know that He's God. Go out in the, go out in nature and sit somewhere where you can see His beauty and His majesty. Just connect to Him, however you connect to Him. Make room for Him. Make room for Him. If you need to repent for being too busy, like I've had to do a gajillion times, right now, just under your own. Under your own breath, just repent to him. Just tell him you're sorry for being too busy. Just tell him you're sorry for not making room, not making space. And I'm gonna ask one more thing, one more opportunity. 
you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, see the reality is you can believe in him and he's not Lord. You can know about him and not actually know him, but if you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, give him actual control of your life, make him your Lord and Savior and secure your eternity for heaven. Do not leave this service. Do not leave this room. Do not turn off this podcast without praying this prayer and giving your life to Jesus. Make room for him and make him your Lord. All across this room and listening, wherever you are, pray this with me. Say, Father, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. Today I make room. Jesus, I believe in you, that you rose from the dead. You're coming back again. And today I make you my Lord. You're in charge of my life. You're in charge of my schedule. You're in charge of my finances. You're in charge of my future. Today I make room. And I make you my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Look, if you prayed that prayer and you know that you made a real decision today to give your life to Jesus, I'm gonna ask you in just a moment to do something so simple. I'm just gonna ask you to just to raise your hand for just a minute. That's it. That's it. I'm not gonna ask anything more. And the reason I'm asking you to do that is because Jesus was very clear. He said, if you will acknowledge me in front of people, I will acknowledge you in front of my Father in heaven. So Jesus said, If you will acknowledge me in front of people, I will acknowledge you in front of my Father in heaven. So I wanna give you the opportunity to do something bold, to make room for Jesus in your life and to acknowledge your decision publicly that you're gonna live for Jesus, you're gonna give yourself, you have given yourself to Jesus. He is the Lord of your life. You made a real decision for him today. Could be the first time you could have come back to him. That's either way, it's just as important, just as valuable. But there may be somebody in this room that has been praying for you and this is an answer to their prayer. But this is the real reason. This is the warmest, most welcoming environment you'll ever find yourself in. And if you can't stand up for Jesus here, it'll be hard to stand up for him anywhere. It's just a simple thing. I made a real decision to live for Jesus today. That's me, Joel, ready? One, two, three, go, be bold. I made a real decision, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, all over the room. That's awesome, God bless you. God bless you in the back, all over there. That's awesome, God bless you. That's beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna, we're gonna go back into worship in just a moment, um, but I, I would love, if those of you that raised your hand, could we pray for you? Would you be willing to let us just pray for you down, right down front here real quick? We're gonna have our prayer team come up and anybody else that wants prayer or needs someone to agree with them in prayer could be about anything in your life, anything going on in your life. You need, the, the, the Bible's very clear about the power of prayer. That when one person prays, they put a thousand to flight. When two people pray together in agreement, they put 10,000 to flight. The Bible actually says that where two or three come together agreeing about something, whatever that is, that the Lord is in the midst with them in that moment. So the power of agreement of prayer is very powerful. So if you raise your hand, would you please just come down? I'm, I'm gonna pray with you right down here and our prayer team's gonna join me. And anybody else that wants to and needs prayer, come on down and our prayer team's gonna be down here. We're just gonna pray for you. The rest of us, we're gonna worship for just, a, just another minute and then we'll be dismissed, all right? Come on down, come on down. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.